health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. Seeking potential is a movement into the unknown and into possibility, into the unrealized. It's got nothing to do with preconceived ideas, outcomes and destinations like being a winner, being the best. I know this from my own experience in the game. I know that all the status and image-driven stuff cannot compare to the sense of truly being at one with my surroundings and in the beautiful zone of now. This week, I had the chance to meet and converse with Sadhguru. He's a yogi mystic from Southern India, and in his experience, at the age of 26, he came to an absolute sense of oneness with the cosmos and the cosmic intelligence. And since this kind of awakening, he's been serving people and the planet in so many different forms. Sadhguru, who remembers his last three lifetimes intimately, now that is a mind-blowing idea that I'll leave you to ponder for a bit, he's called upon his connection to the universe to write books and spread messages on everything from joy to death and also to create the Isha Foundation and Isha Yoga Center in Tamil Nadu, as well as other yoga centers around the globe too. At these centers, he provides his inner engineering courses that assist people to transcend their limitations and become more receptive to things like improved well-being and experiences of great clarity. And to give you just a little idea of the impact he's having, Sagaru's Isha Foundation is allegedly supported by over 11 million volunteers worldwide. He's already been at the head of many large-scale campaigns aimed at influencing the planet in positive directions. And we were lucky enough to catch this really busy individual in London just as he was launching his most recent and perhaps most urgent one, the Conscious Planet Save Soil Movement. Sadhguru sees the degradation of the planet's soil and its rapidly declining organic content as being the world's most pressing issue when it comes to human and ecological survival. To put back one inch of topsoil, it's estimated it'll take a minimum of 500 years. But we have exhausted more than two, three inches of soil in a matter of fifty years. So what we are right now consuming is uh, the food of the unborn child. I think this is a crime against humanity because it's a natural aspiration in every human being and in every generation of people that our next generation should live better than us. That's always the aspiration. But right now we are crafting a situation where there is no way they can live, not bear, not even as much as us, because there's going to be massive disasters. All the top scientists, most responsible scientists are clearly saying, by 2045, we'll be producing 40% less food and our populations will be well over 9 billion. 
As you listen to this podcast, he is in the middle of traveling 30,000 miles back across Europe to India, visiting many nations and governments along the way in order to bring greater awareness and a, a commitment to the opportunity we have to reverse this situation whilst we still can. The point is, I guess, for him and for all of us that the time to act is now and that it falls to this generation, our generation, to leave a beautiful legacy of opportunity for those that are to follow us. Maybe being held responsible for not doing so is almost too much to bear even thinking about. So, UN agencies are predicting by 2035, 2040, there could be dozens of civil wars across the country because of food shortages. So, there is a way to turn this back now. If we act now, we can turn this back in the next 10, 15, maybe 20 years, significant turnaround can be done. So, as a generation, this is the choice we have. Do we want to be that generation which turned the situation back from the brink? Or are we that type of generation that we slept through and crashed? This is the choice we have. Maybe this is what you might expect of an enlightened being, to create and affect great change in the direction of supporting life and possibility for oneself and for all other beings, all in one go. It's something I find very difficult to argue with. I'm really hoping that leaders across the, the globe subscribe to and enforce the necessary regulations and the incentives to create the shift required towards paying back the soil. It's certainly paid us, that's for sure. There's no doubt this is a chance to start thinking and acting bigger than ourselves, maybe to become comfortable with planting trees that we may not ourselves ever get to sit in the shade of, as the saying goes. I couldn't be more behind this movement, but I can also see that it's probably a lot more simple for me than it is for those in positions of, of leadership and those in the agricultural industry as well. In our conversation, Sadhguru lays out his Conscious Planet Safe Soul movement and the importance of it for our continued ability to explore what life really is all about. Naturally, this leads into a great conversation about human potential. So I've long been fascinated by so-called enlightened beings, stories of their mystical abilities, understandings, wisdom, happiness, peace. It's all in, sort of ignited the same spark of excitement and wonder in me that watching international rugby stars on the TV did for me when I was young. I knew back then that I just wanted to be one of those players one day. I wanted to know what it felt like to run out on the field, to the cheers of thousands. I wanted to know what it was all about, kicking balls through posts, scoring winning points, and of course, lifting trophies. Emulating them, in fact, to a certain extent, was a fairly straightforward journey for me. That's not to say that it wasn't easy or guaranteed one, and in fact, it was anything but, but it meant I did have a pretty clear plan to follow. Just want it, work hard, give everything, learn, deal with constant setback, respect your teammates and just be prepared ultimately to do whatever it takes. Controlling the controllables. I could do that. Therefore, done. It was just a case of willingness, having passion and a never give up kind of thing. The ace I had up my sleeve was that I feel being a sportsman and more specifically a rugby player was deeply ingrained in my physical nature and it expressed itself so naturally, it just wouldn't let me go anywhere else until the job was done. And Sadhguru describes this in a really interesting way. Of course, you must be in the zone you want to be. Because when it comes to physical performance in the world, there are many factors. 
Okay, there are many factors which all of it may not even be in your perception. But when it comes to inner nature, being in the zone must be every moment of your life, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Because there's only one ingredient, just you. Because the only and only thing that you have is life. And how wonderful you keep it within you is all you can do. I still managed to turn this incredibly privileged opportunity though into a real stress fest at times. And I think this was because I was completely at odds with the deeper and far more powerful journey into potential, the uncontrollables. This is where performance and making the most of life took place and takes place for me. And I wanted to control all of this too. But seeking potential is a movement into the unknown and into possibility, into the unrealized. It's got nothing to do with preconceived ideas, outcomes and destinations like being a winner, being the best or possessing the spoils. I know this from my own experience in the game. I know that all the status and image driven stuff cannot compare to the sense of truly being at one with my surroundings and in the beautiful zone of now. The enlightened mystics that seem to almost permanently inhabit this space have quite quickly become the new star players in the game for me. If winning stuff didn't do it for me, then it seemed obvious that going after the holy grail of true nature would. But emulating the feats of those that have touched the so-called divine within is anything but a simple path. What I'm uncovering is that what we're looking for is already right here now, in us, as us. So it's a journey of no distance a journey of no time, and actually, it's a journey of no journey. And thinking you know what you're looking for, trying to emulate it or achieve it is exactly what leads us away from it. The rugby achievement road, for me, a lot of it was one of ego and self-importance. It ventured off outwards into a world to amass and accumulate objects, respect, recognition and reward, and to reinforce the idea of who I was and how I felt I needed to be seen. It meant following values, rules and formulas. It was about adding to who I thought I was. More truthfully, probably more about trying to fill what was lacking in who I thought I was. But competition, comparison, they were deeply interwoven into the fibre of that existence. They were essentially the marker of how I was getting on. It was all about doing so that I could have. The only being I remember from this part of my life was being unfilled. The route into true self, though, is often referred to an inward one, which means shedding and dissolving attachments and ideas. It seems to me to be a kind of humbling experience in direct opposition to proving something or standing out. There's no owning the experience or the reward at the end of it. Who we think we are wants to do the letting go so that it can still be there to report back upon the experience of being, I guess, in the zone with its new title and standing of enlightened. It is, however, who we think we are that has to be let go. But how and by whom, you might ask, and those are really good questions. You may think you have so many things in your life. The only thing you got is life. Once you take life out of people, for whatever reason, they're like this. You bring a heap of money, they're like this. You bring the most beautiful woman or man, they're like this. You show them a mountain of gold, they're like this. You say the sweetest thing, they're like this. Nothing matters, isn't it? So the only goddamn thing that you have is life. And if you think that is secondary, and uh, something else is uh, primary, then you made the mistake of your life, isn't it? 
the willingness to challenge myself in this way to almost return to that youthful, childlike, passion-filled state thankfully gained some traction just before my rugby days were over. And they gave me a chance to be so much more playful and allowing with everything, to let those uncontrollables be just that, a joyful surprise. It left me more connected to that zone version of myself than ever before. And it massively impacted my performance then and has since been opening up more and more space for creativity and growth where previously I only saw dead ends. So it was brilliant to have someone like Sadhguru look at sport and peak performance through an ultra clear and unfiltered lens and from the connected bigger picture perspective. As he says, it's only ever about, I guess, looking after yourself, taking back control of your attention and your energies. And this means doing it consciously. Yeah, I see players are looking at the scoreboard. <laughs> Why? Your business is just to put the damn ball in the opposite yeah. goal as many times as possible. Somebody will count, somebody will handle the cup and medal and nonsense. Your business is to put the ball there, right? Instead of that, we are thinking all this. See, when you want to do something very precise, like, you know, this happens, I'm sure this is true in every game, but I'm talking about a golf game. You will see a cricket player will come and, you know, it's called gardening. In the pitch, he'll come with a bat and like this, because small pebbles, small little grains of sand, yeah. he's settling it. So, a little distraction will definitely throw you off. Now, you're looking at the scoreboard and throwing the ball. Of course, it'll go somewhere into the spectators. Definitely. <laughs> he even gave me some tips for my kicking. If you're not able to hit a sitting ball, obviously, you're fundamentally not balanced in your body or in your mind, right? So, in my experience of the game, I'm, I'll come to your chaotic game. <laughs> in my experience of the golf game, seventy percent is in the mind. So, as far as I'm concerned, I never took a lesson, I've never been on a driving range, I never take a practice swing, because seventy percent of the game is in my head, other thirty percent I never learnt. That's why I'm always any time, you know, like between six and sixteen handicap, because I never learned the other the finer aspects of golf because I just hit the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But they are all saying if the game is instinctive, we could play it well. Because it's a mental game, we are failing. So I can tell you one secret, but the opposition may also learn this. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work that out when we come to it. I'm going to let you wait till Thursday's episode in the interview for the secret advice that follows that one. What is definitely evident to me is that there are massive correlations between what Sadhguru is explaining in such deep and intricately connected terms and what I, and I believe we all, have experienced and are experiencing and are knowing to be on some level true. This chat was almost like being able to speak to my in-the-zone self and finally get to hear him tell the story from his side. I see now that when things work, there's a reason for why they work. And that reason is in us. It is us. It is what's going on in our physical, mental, emotional, and what Sadhguru calls our energy levels that determines our reality. The more consciously aware we become of what's happening in our bodies, minds, and in the feeling realm, the more of life we get to touch, simply because what we're aware of is all that we can experience. And as we expand that awareness, I guess so does the scope of our reach. For so long, my world had been based around strong black and white beliefs. 
The need to control away all the unknown was huge for me. It meant being safe and guaranteeing my outcomes, but it also meant removing all possibility for growth and surprise. My habit had been to become so interested in the doing and the getting things right, convinced that all this was going to eventually establish me in my true being. But we can't do in the moment, though. We can only be in the moment. We don't do creativity or beauty or love, joy, spontaneity. We just are those things. And there couldn't be a greater gap. It's more like an abyss between the idea of trying to do my best versus the absolute joy of being my best. Limits and potential, they're not separate ends of the same scale. They exist in completely separate dimensions. One is finite, one infinite. I've heard Sagaru say before that life, you either think about it or you live it. And the shift from one to the other is to be found somewhere I think in absolute surrender and trust and exploring what full engagement really means. This is, I gather, why many enlightened beings rarely, if ever, answer questions with yes and no answers. These types of responses only install the next dead end. Their job, something else I've heard Sadhguru say before, is to simply burn away the question instead, leaving the questioner, at least for a short time, in that boundless eternal space where it all makes sense, but you just can't articulate why. I hope you enjoy the clarity that Sadhguru brings to this exploration. It was an absolute pleasure for me to be in his company for this short time. Uh, But your input, as always, is phenomenal. I love it, and I can't wait to carry on this journey and share it with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's Tuesday episode of I Am. The Tuesday drops are definitely a space for me to reflect on the interviews to come and set the scene a little. And hopefully I've done this for you and you're now very excited to listen. The full episode will follow in a couple of days, so keep your ear out for it. As always, I really want this to be a two-way conversation. So if you've got any questions, just pop a review in the review section on Apple Podcasts or contact me through my social channels. I would love to hear from you. Until then, I'm Johnny Wilkinson and this is I Am. Thank you.